don't be quiet. Um, speak up, and now is the time to speak up. Um, this seems to be the problem we have in, in the UK is that consumers don't really like to get uh, too vocal or too uh, animated about it. Um, but this is, this is really the time to do it. And if the consultation doesn't fit, you know, write to the, the Minister for Health, write to your local MP and voice your concerns directly with them. Hello, world. Welcome to the Vaping Unplugged podcast. Everything you need to know about vaping and tobacco harm reduction. Hi, everyone, and welcome. You're listening to the podcast Vaping Unplugged. As you know, we're discussing vaping policies and all about harm reduction globally. And uh, today we will be talking uh, about vaping in the UK. We have made several episodes on this topic. And today we have invited very special guest, John Dune from UK Vaping Industry Association. Mr. Dune is the Director General of this organization and will be asking all about what's going on in the UK at the moment with vaping. Thank you so much, Mr. Dune, for your time. No problem, Lisa. This is my pleasure. Um, absolutely, we're happy to host you today. Um, so before we, we dive deeper into this topic, I wanted to ask about your personal vaping journey, as I typically do with uh, all of our guests. And also maybe you could tell our listeners a little bit more about the association and the work that you do. Absolutely. Um, well, my background um, in the vaping sector is, is, uh, is, is quite long. Um, I was one of the first ones involved in the the sector here in the UK. Um, I was actually the first one to put vaping products into a, a convenience store here. Um, I used to be a three pack a day smoker. Um, thankfully, no longer do that and haven't touched a cigarette in many, many years. Um, and now occasionally enjoy a vape. Um, but it's been a fantastic journey. Um, I think the industry is, is absolutely fantastic to see it develop from, you know, from right from the start to where it is now globally. It's just, it's just crazy um, the way it's gone. Um, you know, here in the UK, it's, uh, you know, the, the most successful way that people quit smoking. Um, it's twice as effective as, as all of the other methods combined. So it's really important that we protect, we protect that here. Um, the association itself has been going about seven years. Um, I actually joined the association as one of the founders um, when I was managing director for a, a vaping company at the time. And I've actually been working as director general now for the association for just over three and a half years, and um, which time we've we've traveled in size. We've gone from actually more than that now. We've gone from 22 members to now 110 members strong um, and continue to grow every day. Um, so we're really are a, a powerhouse now in, in, in the UK. That's certainly great to hear that you're expanding. And uh, just to move on to the topic, I wanted to ask you about the situation in the UK. You've mentioned that vaping is uh, one of the most successful tools to quit smoking in the UK. It's twice um, as more effective than other uh, THR tools. So could you tell us how do you perceive what's the situation right now in the UK? What, how, what kind of progress has the UK been uh, making uh, so far? Well, historically, the UK government and the health departments have been very pro-vaping. Um, but one of the situations we're facing at the moment is due to the rise in popularity of disposal vapes over the last couple of years, 
you know, they've been popular with older um, smokers entering the category, but they've also been very um, popular with young people. And that's now become quite an issue. Um, also, the environmental impact of disposable vapes has, again, shone a spotlight, not in a good way, on the vaping industry. So these are two big challenges that we've got to face because the government is under a lot of pressure. Um, you know, if young people continue to take up vaping, um, you know, if they didn't previously smoke, that's not a good thing. Um, so we need to make sure that we're doing everything in our power to discourage that. Um, but the government is looking at, at various things around legislation at the moment, which is quite troubling. Um, you know, they're looking at things like the impact of flavours on, on vaping um, and whether they are attracting young people and whether they're actually um, uh, popular with adults as well. Now, all of our data and all of our knowledge says, yes, they are. You know, flavours have been a critical reason why uh, vaping has been so successful. Um, you know, obviously, vapors when they move away from smoking, want to disassociate themselves from the taste of tobacco or anything associated with tobacco. Um, so it's really important for us to focus the message on that. Um, and also, too, there's really a fine line between absolutely disrupting the, uh, the adult vaping market, um, you know, while trying to protect the young people. And one of the things that we're looking at, for instance, as an association, is looking at that direct connection between illicit product and underage, you know, retailers selling uh, products to underage and uh, young people getting these products. Um, so some of the things that we've called for, for instance, is a licensing distributors um, and also the increasing of fines to those that are caught breaking the rules um, because the legitimate industry obviously wants to protect the industry they want um, the public's perception of the industry to go in a positive way and right now that's not happening hi everyone hold up on the vaping for a second we've got something very special for you you ever have that feeling when someone's always saying don't do this can't have that well, Fan Police is a podcast that is all about that. People trying to ban what you enjoy from a beer to a piece of chocolate. It's delivered by the Consumer Choice Center. It's a five-part series and it digs deep into why some people so desperately want to ban our fun. Well, Fan Police is easy listening and it's coming your way every week. Uh, now just get ready for a quick preview. Did you vape today? Or drink? Did you have a beer, a glass of wine, place a bet or eat chocolate? There are activists out there who believe that you are hurting yourself and that for the sake of the greater good, you should be banned from doing it. These activists are neo-prohibitionists. They don't believe in your right to choose and they have big budgets to lobby governments to restrict your lifestyle. And their actions have real consequences. Prohibition of, of something, whether it's riding without a seatbelt, whether it's selling cigarettes, this creates new opportunities for citizens to interact with the police. Garner, who had been accused of selling cigarettes illegally on New York's Staten Island, seen here being taken down by NYPD officer Daniel Pantaleo. So this Orwellian-sounding FCTC is about benefiting the black market and making poor people pay. I listen to people saying, oh, we don't want to tax the poor. Well, we want the poor to live longer so that they can get an education and enjoy life. This group took public money 
to create a pseudoscientific amalgamation of studies with low scientific validity to lecture you about having more than two beers a week. I think anybody here can see through the nonsense. Fun Police, a five-part Consumer Choice Center original podcast, uncovering the prohibitionist movements seeking to ban it all. New episodes dropping weekly wherever you get your podcasts. What do you think about the ban on disposables? Would that be an effective policy or you have any other thoughts? Um, and what do you think about disposable ban generally? Yeah, you know, I think disposables are not a new product. They've been around for, for many, many years. It's just that in recent, recent times, they've become, you know, more popular. Um, I think they have their place, but I, I think the government is, is extremely concerned around this topic. Specifically, I think, and more importantly, around the environmental impact of disposable products. So, you know, we're trying to work with the industry um, and also the recycling industry itself to, to try and find ways of uh, making them easier to recycle, for instance, so looking at product design and innovation from that perspective. Um, and also looking at, you know, uh, potentially putting out uh, consumer awareness campaigns, uh, and showing them how you know how to recycle the products but that's going to take quite a lot of investment so one of the things that i'm doing is working with the key brands to see if we can't get funding in place to do that um but the other thing i think that we need to be careful of as an industry is not making these products too child appealing um and i was a little concerned uh, you know when i was at the vape show this weekend for instance and i see all of these uh big puff devices and these devices that have got cartoon characters on them and things like that. And frankly, that's not going to be tolerated by government for very much longer. And, and my fear is that they may take action um, that uh, goes beyond what they need to, to try and get rid of that type of an issue. Um, and, and that could harm legitimate industry. But I don't think a ban is the option. Um, for a couple of reasons. One, the, pop, the, the products are very popular. Um, you know, they are, they are serving a great purpose. But secondly, I think a ban would actually fuel the uh, a black market even worse than it is now. And we've seen that happen in other countries, for instance, like Australia, where they have a, a rampant black market. But also too, from an environmental standpoint, and you know, speaking to a lot of my, um, my counterparts in the the uh, recycling industry, um, you know, they worry that if it goes underground, then nobody will be encouraged to recycle. Um, so it could it could be make the situation far worse than it currently is. That's basically the I think the problem with illicit trades. It's it's just you know counterproductive. Those prohibitions they create more problems. Actually, the problems that the government is trying to fight. Um, I also you mentioned um, very quickly the threats that there might be. Um, in terms of flavors, but we're going to get back to that point in a minute. I just generally wanted to discuss the recent announcement that the prime minister made. Um, and first of all, ask you about your opinion on the generational smoking ban. Uh, Rishi Sunak announced that there it will be in place. Um, and I would like to uh, know what do you think about it and how effective would it be for smoking cessation generally, in your opinion? Well, you know, obviously, I'm a, we, you know, I represent a vaping organization. We don't 
um, represent any any tobacco companies. Um, but I think it's it's a, it's a strange idea. Um, it's not that it's never been tried anywhere before. Um, I think it's going to create massive problems in the future. And the idea that you know a a forty two year old could legally go in and buy cigarettes, but a forty three year old yeah a forty one year old couldn't, you know, seems really ridiculous to me. Um, and I and I really don't know how they're going to to police such an idea. I think you know we're already seeing smoking numbers decreasing worldwide. Um, especially here in, 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 in uh, the youth smoking numbers, they're down less than 3%. So I think they would be far better challenging the, um, the misinformation around vaping, for instance, um, and making vaping more mainstream and also other non-nicotine uh, or non-combustible nicotine solutions as well. They'd be far better getting behind them than they are trying to come up with some crazy ideas around uh, reducing smoking numbers. Especially because the UK is the country where vaping has been working as a smoking cessation tool and it has showcased as an evidence that it works. So um, I think this kind of approach would be also more effective for people to give up smoking rather than um, prohibiting it from some certain age and then given it given this right to others um the next question is about the flavors and i think that's very important because we know there is a lot of research on flavors and how they actually help adult smokers to quit and whenever they use flavors the quitting journey is more effective um However, the, in the announcement that the Prime Minister made, um, we saw that vaping might also be um, targeted as, uh, to, to more, more regulations or restrictions. Um, do you think, uh, you talked a little bit about flavors and that the government is looking into it. Do you think realistically flavors might be under threat? And if so, could you elaborate what, what would it mean for current vaping community, which is large in the UK as far as I understand? Absolutely. Um... You know, obviously, the, the prime minister was very vague in, in his announcement, but the consultation that came out afterwards um, is very specific in the questions that it asks. And, and some of the questions are, are very concerning to us. Um, the, the, I think the overall tone of the consultation is very biased and very leading um, in, in the way the, the, the questions are answered. Um, and it doesn't leave room for those who don't believe in option A, B, and C. Um, it just says, you know, D, don't know. Well, when it comes to flavors, I can guarantee you that vapors know exactly why, vape, why flavors are important and why you shouldn't have things like flavor restrictions and bans. Yet the consultation doesn't allow them to answer in that way. So that's something that I'll actually be writing directly to the Minister um, for Health um, uh, highlighting our concern around that. Um, we're about to put out advice um, as, as you know, our other organizations on um, how people should um, look at the questions when they're answering. Um, we will be advising people not to answer leading questions um, as not all of the questions need to be answered to submit the consultation. Um, you know, obviously we need the industry and the consumer, the vape consumers themselves, 
to get behind this consultation. Um, otherwise, my fear is that the government will get a, a skewed um, view of what the situation actually is. I see. Thanks so much. And I think we're getting to the last part of our conversation, but I also wanted to ask you, um, what would your message be to consumers or vapors in the UK? Um, you talked about the consultation right now, and obviously it should be important that they participate in it. But generally, what, what would be your final message to the vaping community? I, th I think my final message would be is don't, don't be quiet. Um, speak up and now is the time to speak up. Um, this seems to be the problem we have in, in the UK is that consumers don't really like to get uh, too vocal or too uh, animated about it. Um, but this is, this is really the time to do it. And if the consultation doesn't fit, you know, write to the, the Minister for Health, write to your local MP and voice your concerns directly with them. Um, you know, this is, these, these type of things really do help. Um, MPs do, uh, you know, speak to me directly when they have these concerns. So the more we're, they're hearing from their constituents, the more they're hearing from non-industry people, the stronger that message is. Definitely. Thank you so much. We're also always encouraging the consumers, vapors to raise their voices. And what you said right now is definitely very important. Thank you so much, Mr. June, for your time today. Appreciate it a lot. And I loved interviewing the process too. No problem. Thanks very much for having me on.